The reading this morning is from the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, from verse 15. That's the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verse 15, on page 1173. Page 1173. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people... I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. This is God's word. Hey everyone. Ephesians is a great read if you're feeling weak. The people who first read this letter, they lived in the region that we now call Turkey and Their whole way of life seemed to be held in the powerful forces of those completely outside of their control. Theirs was a world that followed cosmic powers and evil spirits. By contrast, their church seemed small, weak, unimpressive. Yes, there was a time uh, back recorded in Acts 19 where the Apostle Paul had been there and he had shown miraculous power. Um, handkerchiefs that had been touched by him were used to heal those who were ill. But now Paul was in prison, small, unimpressive, weak. Now we don't live in a society that often pays attention to cosmic powers and spirits. I suppose there might be some supposed miracle healers that might um, make us feel like we're missing something. But it's mainly other types of power that we compare ourselves to. We've got other reasons to feel weak. What can the church do compared to the power of the wealthy, the power of the popular, the power of the impressive? And I know that some of you are probably feeling pretty weak yourselves this morning. Your heart bar maybe is quite low. Well, let Paul's prayer this morning be a strengthening, revitalizing power boost for you today. I know that many of us uh, are regularly praying for others in private, but sometimes we tell those people that we are praying for them. We say, I'm giving thanks for you because we want to affirm them. Or we say, I'm praying for you because we want to encourage them. And that's Paul's purpose here and God's purpose here for us. He wants to affirm and encourage all the saints through this prayer. So the main point of this sermon isn't going to be, hey guys, this is how you should be praying this week. 
the main point from this sermon is, you are in. Now know how blessed you are. You are in. Now know how blessed you are. Uh, Let's start with that first bit. You are in. That's the intended impact from verses 15 and 16. And this is so useful to Christians who struggle with doubts. Paul says, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. For this reason, for what reason? This refers back generally to everything that's been said in the first half of chapter one. Uh, You are part of God's holy people, blessed in Christ. But it also refers back specifically to verse 13, where Paul starts to talk directly to his audience. And you were also included in Christ. So if we were going to write a, an extended and expanded version of the opening of verse 15 to really spell out what it means, it would go like this. Because you are included in God's blessed holy people and because you are included in Christ dot, 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 rest of verse. Or we could go with something more concise, because you are in. Because you are in. The reason for Paul's thanksgiving is that these people are in. They are united with Jesus and they are part of God's church. I know that many of us struggle with doubts at one time or another. What if I'm kidding myself? What if I'm not really in? What if I'm not really a Christian? That is an important question, but we do often needlessly complicate the answer. Some of you doubt uh, because you're from a different sort of background or you've lived a very different life compared to other members around you. Some of you doubt because you aren't perfect yet or because you don't have the same emotional response as other Christians. Notice in what Paul says next, None of those things are part of the two-part test to reveal who's a true Christian. Paul says, this is the occasion at which he started giving thanks. Ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people. That's the two-part test to see who's really in. One, faith in the Lord Jesus. Two, love for God's people. It's really that simple. When Paul heard about these two virtues, that was all the proof he needed, all the evidence that was required to show that these people were genuinely in. Just two bits of evidence, no um, theory test, no 200-point MOT, faith. No faith in yourself to earn your way into God's family. Faith in the Lord Jesus Faith in him as your Lord who reigns and rules and demands your obedience and worship. Faith in him as as Jesus, the saviour who died on the cross to take away our sin and give us a home in heaven. That's the first and primary evidence that you are in. It's also the way to become a Christian if you're not in yet. It's not about what you can do for Jesus. It's about what Jesus has done for you and putting your trust in that. That's the first piece of evidence. The second piece of evidence is love. 
Not love for some of God's people, notice. Love for all God's people. And this is the inevitable fruit of faith. We start to see other Christians as we now see ourselves once we've understood the cross. Yes, unlovely. Yes, um, sometimes a bit annoying. But oh so loved by the Father. And we start to feel a kind of growing fellow feeling with other unlovely, loved people just like us. The idea of skipping church starts to seem a bit weird because why would I want to? I want to be with the people who are like me, who've been loved by God. They're not perfect, but neither am I, and I want to be with them. When Paul heard of those two virtues, he started banging on the doors of heaven saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. These people are genuinely in. And he tells them that because he wants to affirm them. Yes, you are in. And the same is true for you. Whatever your doubts, if your faith is in the Lord Jesus, if you have love for God's people, be encouraged this morning. Be affirmed. You are in. And now we get to the main section of Paul's prayer. You are in. Now know how blessed you are. What's the date today? Feels like January the 37th or something like that. Um, Hands up who's still going with their New Year's resolution. Some people, okay, one. (laughs) Well done. (laughs) Um, We've, like, what we resolve at the beginning of the year, it reveals our priorities, doesn't it? Uh, So we value our health, so we sign up for the gym. We value our finances, so we rework the budget. Or we value our relationships, so we block book time in our diaries. Paul's prayer here reveals God's priorities for us. Here's what God wants for you in 2023. An even better resolution to know how blessed you are. Yes, it would be good to come to the end of this year with better health, better finances, better relationships, but it would be even better to come to the end of this year knowing how blessed you are in Christ. In the remaining verses, Paul prays that the church would know four things. These are not four additional blessings. These are It's about appreciating what already belongs to us in Christ. And these are not four facts to learn, like we might learn the four most populous cities in the Southern Hemisphere. These are four blessings to connect with personally as they are revealed by the Holy Spirit. That's what it means to know in this sense. That's where Paul starts in verse 17 and 18. He's praying that God may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. He's praying that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. These are not just facts to know. What does he want us to know? Let's click on to the first thing. The first thing to know is God himself. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. As people who are in, as Christians, we already have the greatest blessing of knowing God himself. But with an infinite God, there is always more to know. 
as the Holy Spirit enlightens us, works on our hearts, we start to unpick misshaped uh, philosophical or cultural ideas that we've picked up about God over the years. We realize that actually he's not the great headmaster in the sky. And we start to know him in the way that Paul refers to him in verse 17 the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the God who is revealed by the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who's revealed by Jesus' ministry. The one who's revealed by Jesus' words. The one who's revealed by Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. He's the God who feeds the hungry. He's the God who warms to the outcast. He's the God who welcomes in in children and dies for sinners on a cross. There is no hidden aspect to God's character that isn't revealed by his son. And as we begin to know him better, we start using better adjectives as well. Again, in verse 17, who is he? The glorious father. When we know him better, we drop casual attitudes to worship. When we know him better, the the idea of someone saying, OMG, like cuts us like a knife. We start to glimpse his brightness, like the summer morning sun peeking through the curtains after a dark night. And it's beautiful. Christian, you already have the greatest blessing. You know God. Now enjoy that blessing more and more. How have you got to know him better over the last year? What has the Holy Spirit revealed about God's character to you over the last year? However long you have followed him, with an infinite God, there is always more to enjoy. The second blessing to know is hope. No hope. Verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope which he has called you to. In the Bible, hope is never just wishful thinking. It's a future certainty that sustains us, keeps us going in the present. So in the first half of the chapter, we've already given, been given plenty of reasons why we should have hope. We've been told in verse 10 about the fate of the universe. In the end, everything is going to be brought together under the reign of Christ. And verse 14 promises that we have an inheritance. That is, we have a part of that future to look forward to. Our certain hope is that we have a destiny, a calling that can never be taken away. And Paul's prayer is that we would know that hope. When I was a kid reading one of my favorite books, there was a devastating moment when the main character died. I was really, really sad. I didn't want to turn over the next page. And so what I did was flick forwards to the end of the story just to see how it ended. And there I saw on the last page, oh, there's the main character. He's actually alive and everything's okay. The story ends all right in the end. And that helped me to go back to the page I was really on and continue reading. Whatever happens next, it can't be that bad because I know how the story ends. And we all have moments in life where we don't want to face what's on the next page. But knowing the hope we're called to is like flicking to the end of the story. For the church, the story ends oh so well. Know this hope. 
The third thing to know is your worth. Know your worth. When I first looked at the next phrase in verse 18, I kind of thought it was just another way of expressing our hope. But notice whose inheritance it's talking about. That you may know, dot, 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 the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. We would almost expect it to read the riches of our glorious inheritance. But this is talking about God's inheritance, not ours. And in the Old Testament, and also in verse 14 of this chapter, God's people are referred to as his possession, his portion, his inheritance. His glorious inheritance is his holy people. His glorious inheritance is his holy people. He's waiting for the time where all his family are gathered together in one place. That is the portion, the possession that he is waiting for. And what Paul prays is that we would know the riches of that. Or we could put that another way. Paul is praying that we would know the true value of God's inheritance, the church. Paul is praying that we would know the great worth of God's people. He just can't wait to have us all together in glory. The church, us, is so precious to him. It's so easy to measure your own value by little things like how productive you've been today. But that always leads to bad places, doesn't it? However, being part of the church means that however productive you've been, you are of immense value and worth today. God treasures you regardless of what's gone on in the last week. It's so easy to underappreciate the value of the church, isn't it? Like those old cash-in-the-attic programs where that painting lies unattended, dusty, uh, up, in the, up in the loft, but actually it's worth hundreds of thousands of pounds. Let's not underestimate our worth. The people you speak to today are valuable and precious to God. The times when we meet together, riches. The, uh, the regular routine of church life, riches. The housebound church members who can't make it here in person today, riches. Know your worth. Here's where we've got to so far. Now know how blessed you are. Know God, know hope, know your worth. But here's the last and main thing that God wants all of us to know. Know power. I say it's the main thing because it's got the most verses devoted to it. And also it's a theme that's going to come up again and again throughout this letter. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know, dot, 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 his incomparably great power for us who believe. If you're feeling small, weak, insignificant, know this power. If church to you seems small, insignificant, weak, know this power. I'm going to describe it in just a moment, but first notice that this is power for us. Who believe. This is power that is on our side. And as well, down in verse 22, this is for the church. It's, it's great to be in awe of God's power, 
but it's even better to know that this is power for us on our side. That's the power that's working in your life. This is the power that's going to do amazing things in this building, even this year. This is the power that's going to overcome all of your weaknesses today and one day. How strong is this power that is for us? It's the same as the mighty strength God exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. The same power that defeated the greatest enemy, death, is on your side today. How strong is the power that's for us? It's the same mighty strength that seated Jesus above every other rule, authority, power, dominion throughout all the universe, throughout all of time. Nothing can compare to him and that power is on your side. How strong is the power that's for us? It's the very same power that Christ is exerting right now in the heavenly realms over all things as he reigns supreme. And that power is for us, for you. It's the power that raises the dead. It's the power that's far above every challenger. It's the power that rules the universe. The incomparably great power that worked in Christ is today at work in his body, the church. That's the impact of verse 23. We are being filled with his power now. If this Christian life was a car journey, um, most of us, I think, drive like we're in a banged up old three-wheeler. Um, we drive like the steering wheel doesn't really connect to the wheels so well. Um, like the suspension is going to give out at the next pothole. Like the engine might cut out before we reach the end. And, and maybe there's some truth to that. Maybe we are dodgy, dodgy broken old three-wheelers. But the thing is, we are being towed by a V10 Lamborghini. Power is not the problem. Like this, this V10 La Lamborghini is waiting to unleash all its power and eat up the road ahead of us. Power is not the problem. Know the power that is for us. Over the next few weeks, we're going to see the specific ways that this power is at work in our lives. But for now, just be encouraged by the strength of God's mighty power and the fact that it is on your side. The world around us may seem strong, but we have no reason to feel weak. Our church, yes, it may have struggled along at times over the last few years, but we have never been weak. Like whatever your limitations, whatever your um, limitations in health or ability, you are strong. You may feel insufficient for the task that you've been called to. But the mighty strength of God is on your side. You are in. Now know how blessed you are. The main aim of this message is to be affirmed and encouraged. Um, but thinking about what could be, it is only natural that our prayers would be shaped by this this week. Um, it might be good for us to repeat this simple prayer day by day. Thank you, God, that I'm in. Please help me to know how blessed I am. Help me to know you better. Help me to know the hope I'm called to. 
Help me to know the worth of the church. Help me to know your power. Let's pause just for 30 seconds or so and reflect on what we've heard. Perhaps you want to repeat that prayer. And in a moment, we'll stand and sing, Be still for the presence of the Lord.